would invite you to turn in your pew Bibles to Luke chapter 24. If you're using the pew Bibles, trust you bring your own, but using a pew Bible, that's on page 884. But hear God's word, this account of Jesus' resurrection. Luke 24, beginning with verse 1. This is the word of God. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand through the ever. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we praise you for the truth of your word. And as the angels told the women there at the tomb that they were to remember Uh, that Jesus prophesied his crucifixion, his death, his burial, his resurrection on the third day. Lord, may we always remember the resurrection of Christ. May we always be rejoicing in Christ our Savior. And we give you thanks always in Jesus' name. Amen. Now picture yourself as one of the few witnesses at the empty tomb on that first resurrection Sunday. You know, if you were traveling with this group of faithful women who have been following Jesus, you'd be the first actually to arrive on this surprising scene. You had to leave home uh, before dawn while it was still dark. Uh, Since you were there at Jesus' crucifixion and burial, your heart would be heavy, I'm sure, with grief and despair. 
If you believed in biblical worship, and these women did, they rested on the Sabbath after Jesus' crucifixion. And now, if you were a spectator, you would arrive at the tomb, but the stone has been rolled away, and you can't find the lifeless body of Jesus in the tomb. And suddenly, two men, can they be angels? appear suddenly, standing nearby in dazzling apparel. You, you hear their inquiry and their bold proclamation that Jesus has risen. You know, but their command grabs your, your mind and your heart's attention with these words, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise. And now you would remember Jesus' prophecy that he would rise again on the third day. And this gospel proclamation of his resurrection on this First Resurrection Sunday would turn your despair into salvation joy. It's only the gospel proclamation of Jesus' resurrection that can deliver us still today from death's despair. Well, how does this gospel proclamation here in Luke chapter 24 deliver us from death's despair? It's all about the gospel. Uh, There's a gospel reality, then a gospel reassurance, and finally a a gospel reluctance. But we begin there, Luke chapter 24, verse 1. encourage you to keep your Bibles open as we study God's word together. Uh, There is the gospel reality of Jesus' resurrection. For those of you who regularly read through your Bible, you know there's four different gospel accounts of Jesus' resurrection. Resurrection. Not only here in Luke 24, it's there in Matthew 28, Mark 16, uh, John chapter 20, and, and there's a fair amount of overlap there. You can harmonize them, but there are some uh, distinct differences. Primary focuses for, for each of these, and we're going to be focusing on Luke's account, but It's vital to know that as you read through Acts, Romans, other epistles, even the book of Revelation, you'll see this gospel teaching about Christ's resurrection saturating scripture. But as we focus on Jesus' resurrection in the gospel according to Luke, there's four gospel realities that ground our faith. First, it's Sunday. But on the first day of the week, it's the third day since Christ's crucifixion, his death and burial at the tomb. It's deep dawn. It's a unique expression here. It was pitch black even before first light when these women left their, their homes and you'll see that, that pronoun they use throughout here. We, we don't learn until verse 10 who they refers to. It's the, the three women and maybe others. 
So they head to the tomb here on this Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday that marks a, a beautiful new beginning for Christian worship. We still worship on the Lord's Day, on Resurrection Sunday. Every Sunday we remember Christ's resurrection. But they come to the tomb, and, and it's note there it's the tomb. It's not to a tomb. They weren't confused. They, they didn't lose their way. They, they knew exactly where, where Jesus was buried. They had witnessed Christ's crucifixion. When you read through Luke 23, they followed Joseph to the tomb where Jesus was buried. There in Luke 23, verse 55, the woman, the women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. They knew that this was the tomb where Jesus had been buried. But there's a surprise on their arrival. Note that they come bearing spices. You know, they're, they're ready to anoint Jesus' dead body again. But there's a surprise. They, they get there and the stone is rolled away. And so third, there, third gospel reality, there's an empty tomb and, and Jesus' absent body. And it seems without hesitation, the, the women went into the tomb. You know, they didn't say, well, we'll wait till Peter or John get here. You know, they, they went right in to this empty tomb. And there's a shocking discovery. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. You know, and that title for Christ is vital. Lord Jesus, it's only used here in Luke's gospel. But if you read through the book of Acts, this title of Lord Jesus is used frequently after Jesus' resurrection. I'll give you one example, Acts chapter 4, verse 33. Acts 4, 33, and with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. You know, and what's their response to these gospel realities of Jesus' resurrection? You, you can see there in verse 4, they were perplexed. They, they were scratching their heads. They were at a loss. They were puzzled as to what was taking place here. They were struggling to get their hearts and minds around these resurrection realities and and there's one more gospel event here at the beginning. Uh, the presence of two men. Luke uses the word men. You, you look at John's gospel, it tells us it's two angels. Behold, two men stood by them. And one of the, the striking facts along with their dazzling apparel is that these men were, were right next to them. You know, the, these weren't angels up in heaven. Uh, These were angels who, from all appearance, initial glance, looked like men right by them. And believe these, we know they were directed by God to come with this good news of the gospel uh, to these women. 
You know, the gospel reality of Jesus' resurrection. You know, before we move on, listen to this illustration by uh, uh, Dr. Harry Ironside. He was a pastor of Moody Church in the early 20th century. He used this illustration with Luke 24, a bit of explanation. He refers to an English poet by the name of Matthew Arnold. An English poet from the 19th century, a well-known poet, uh, taught at Oxford. Uh, but Matthew Arnold, it was well-known, was, was born in the Catholic faith and actually later in life became an agnostic, rejected of the Christian faith. You can read about it in his poetry. But this is the illustration from Dr. Ironside. Matthew Arnold has written, said Dr. Ironside, that the body of Jesus still sleeps in a Syrian tomb. And Ironside's response was this. Well, if the body of Jesus still sleeps in a Syrian tomb, then you, are, you and I are without hope as far as salvation is concerned. You know, if there is no resurrection of Christ, you know, we're not only perplexed like the women, but, you know, we are lost. You know, it's a central truth of our Christian faith. Um, An empty tomb, a, a risen Savior. And now we'll see there's a gospel reassurance of Jesus' resurrection. They're beginning in verse 4. So the these two men are there. They've, they're in dazzling apparel. They haven't said anything yet. But what's the response of the women? Now they become fearful in the face of these two angelic messengers. And uh, lest we say, well, it's just a female thing. You know, these, these women were, were fearful. No men along. If you skip ahead to Luke 24, verse 37, uh, these are the apostles, and Jesus appears to them. Luke 24, 37, but they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. You know, that, that fear, being perplexed, being fearful. You know, these were not followers of Christ who had these delusions beforehand, oh, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, perplexed, fearful. And what does their fear cause them to do? They bow their faces to their ground in humility of spirit. I don't think they were worshiping the angels, but there was a sense of the holiness of God even there at the empty tomb. And now these angels gently rebuke these disciples, these followers of Christ. Why do you seek the living among the dead? You know, it's a gentle rebuke, but a rebuke nonetheless. Why do you keep searching for the living Savior in the tomb? And then the first gospel reassurance there. He is not here, but has risen. You know, there, there's, a, there's a, a truth from Scripture that, that should be 
burning in our minds and hearts today always. He is not here. He has risen. You know, stop and let this good news of Christ's resurrection sink into your hearts in 2021. You know, say it again with me. Christ is risen. And then there's a second gospel reassurance there. Still verse 6 of Luke 24, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. It's, It's a strong word there, remember. It's actually a command. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. You know, it's a, a little bit different than that prophecy that we've been studying as our, our central scriptural passage in uh, these Sundays surrounding Resurrection Sunday. Back in Luke chapter 18, verse 34, Jesus himself proclaimed this, Luke 18, verse 32, for he will be delivered, delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked, shamefully treated, spat upon, And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day, he will rise. Uh, So so here you have a a briefer version, still a biblical version of what is to take place with Jesus. That, That prophecy, remember that he was delivered into the hands of sinful men. Both the Jews who arrested him, the Roman soldiers, Pilate, Herod, Remember that Jesus was delivered into the hands of sinful men. He was crucified on the cross, crucified for our sins, and on the third day, rise. So they are to remember Jesus' providential deliverance into the hands of sinful men. They are to remember Christ's crucifixion, his death on the cross of Calvary, as that substitute sacrifice for our sins. We hear this from Isaiah chapter 53, uh, verses 4 through 6. Isaiah 53, verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was crushed, For our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. But they are to remember as well Jesus' repeated prophecy that he would rise again on the third day, triumphant over sin and death, and the grave. And I believe that with these women, as they're thinking of Jesus' resurrection, they were remembering some of the other resurrections that either they or some of the other disciples witnessed. I'll give you one scriptural example, Matthew chapter 9. Verse 23, when Jesus raises that that young girl, 
Matthew chapter 9, verse 23, And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in, took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went throughout all the district. Might as well have been recollecting the resurrection of Lazarus from the grave. You know, the gospel reassurance. I can't resist turning to Romans for one verse, Romans 4, verse 25. A great Resurrection Sunday verse. Let me begin with verse 24, Romans 4, verse 24. Uh, But for ours also it will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. You know, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? For our sins, for our trespasses, he was sinless as the Son of God. Why was he raised? For our justification. It took both the death of Christ on the cross and the resurrection of Christ for our salvation. You know, for our justification so that when our our gracious Heavenly Father looks at us now, he doesn't see our sins you know, but he, he sees the, the righteousness of Christ when we're trusting in Christ for our salvation. He declares us righteous in, in Christ, you know, once and for all. You know, it's a reassurance, you know, with, with Christ's resurrection, you know, that, that we have assurance of our salvation, not because of anything we have said or done, but because of what Christ has done for us at the cross. And at the empty tomb. Now back to Luke. And they remembered his words. Now they remembered his words. That's a good thing for us to do as Christians on Resurrection Sunday. We, we remember the promises, the prophecies of Christ. We remember what all of scripture teaches us about the suffering, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. J.C. Ryle reminds us, we do not readily forget the things we love. The names of parents and children are always remembered and our spouses. You know, that's true of of family. We, We remember family and that's a good thing. How much more should we remember gladly, gratefully, you know, what Christ did for us in his resurrection? On Resurrection Sunday, you know, I, I know that some folks visit cemeteries uh, where beloved family members are buried. We're far off from buried family um, but in a, a cemetery up north, Memory Gardens, 
just outside of the, the town where I grew up, Schenectady, New York. Um, two of my grandparents are, are buried, my mom's mother and father and as well, uh, just a, a short distance away. Uh, my father was buried back in 1984, my mother back in 2018. You know, but on their, on their markers, and it's one of the newer cemeteries, flat markers, bronze plaques, along with my dad's name, you know, is this verse. John 11, verse 25. John 11, verse 25. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And then on my mother's marker is Philippians 1, verse 21. You know, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, and it's, it's good for us, even, even as Christians, you know, as we come to the gravesides, look at the markers, we remember not only the life and love of, of family members, you know, but here we're coming to the empty tomb of Jesus. He's resurrected, and we are to remember his words. We're to remember his gracious death for our sins, his glorious resurrection from the grave. You know, the remembrance of Jesus' gospel words gives us gospel assurance at death and in all of life. Now, it's not a one and done here on Resurrection Sunday. Okay, I've been to church. Remember that Christ is risen. Saw a cartoon this week. A fellow was greeting the pastor at the church door. I think someone sent it to me. And uh, the, the pa- and this fellow told the pastor, every time I come here, preacher, you're always preaching on the resurrection. You know, on that one Sunday a year. I'm glad he was there to hear it. Hope he's there again. It's not a personal story, by the way. But we are to remember, be reassured by these words of Jesus' resurrection. Finally, there, there is a gospel reluctance here in, in Luke's account of Jesus' resurrection. Look now at Luke 24, verse 9. You know, it's a bit of a jarring response. You know, verse 8, they remembered his words, and what did they do immediately? You know, they didn't linger at the tomb. They didn't say, well, let's set up a shrine here, charge admission. What did they do? They, they returned from the tomb, went back to the apostles, to the disciples, and they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. They, they told them everything. It, the, the word therefore reported, you know, they, they told them the facts uh, of the resurrection. So to understand that, we would say when we arrived there, the stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty. Jesus' body was not in the tomb. 
And these two angels appeared to us, stood right by us, not a figment of our imagination. These are the words they said to us. You know, and who were these first gospel witnesses? You know, and back in Jesus' day, this would have been surprising. It was women. You know, Mary Magdalene. You know, Joanna. Mary, the mother of James. You can read more about them. But these women had been with Jesus, it seems, every step of the way. They were there at the cross when the disciples fled. They, they were there watching Jesus being buried in the tomb. They were the first ones there on that resurrection morning. But in stark contrast to these women of faith, in verse 11... How do, how do the, now these are disciples. But these words seem to them an idle tale. It's a significant truth there. It seemed to them like nonsense. It's said that it comes from a medieval term used to describe the talk of those in delirium or hysteria. You must be out of your mind. What have you been eating? What have you been drinking? And they readily dismiss them. And if that's not clear enough, seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Unbelief. Resistance to this good news of the gospel. You know, it's a sad spiritual statement. It can even be true of believers today. Well, it's, it's just a myth here about, you know, it, it, it's a nice scriptural truth, but that really didn't happen, did it? No, our, our Christian faith is grounded on the reality of the resurrection. You know, but there's a glimmer of gospel hope coming to a close here, a glimmer of gospel hope. Luke 24, verse 12, as we witness Peter. Other gospel accounts say it's Peter and John who ran to the tomb, and actually John got there first before Peter, but here Luke just focuses on Peter. You know, remember Peter. Peter who confessed Christ, thou art the son of the living God. But it's the same Peter who denied Christ three times. So Peter rose, ran to the tomb, he stood, he sprinted. When he got there, what did he do? He stooped and he looked in. You know, the, the tombs of Jesus' day, hewn out of rock, you know, low doors, so you would have to stoop to see in, and so it's a a, a, a significant detail here. And then especially, what did he see? Not only the empty tomb, Jesus' body was not there, but we have this glorious gospel truth. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. You know, those same linen cloths that were used by by Joseph, Nicodemus, in, in wrapping Jesus after his death, you know, they, they were there seemingly intact. And he went home marveling 
You know, again, another emotion, perplexed, fearful. Here is Peter marveling. And where else do we see that, that word marveling? When you go back to Luke chapter 8, verse 25. This is when Jesus calms the wind and the waves. The disciples are in the boat with Jesus. Luke 8, verse 25. He, that is Jesus, said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even winds and water and they obey him? I believe with Peter there there is that glimmer of faith, genuine faith, saving faith. A gospel reality, a gospel reassurance, and then a, a gospel reluctance. You know, on Resurrection Sunday, as our worship team knows, there's hymns that we only sing on this day of worship. We should sing them other Sundays of the year, but one of the hymns that we sang this morning is the Day of Resurrection. Now, this hymn was written, if you look in your hymnals, on two 67 by John of Damascus in the 8th century, 700s. Uh, A theologian, a teacher, as part of the Eastern Church, but uh, he he knew the Word of God, loved Christ. You know, and here just one verse, well, two verses. The day of resurrection, earth. Tell it out abroad, the Passover of gladness, the Passover of God. From death to life eternal, from this world to the sky, our Christ hath brought us over with hymns of victory. And the third verse. Now let the heavens be joyful, let earth her song begin, let the round world keep triumph. And all that is therein, invisible and visible, their notes let all things blend. For Christ the Lord hath risen, our joy that hath no end. Now hear that again. For Christ the Lord hath risen, our joy that hath no end. On this Resurrection Sunday, you see that there are three responses Jesus and I you know you can compare yourself to one of these first we have the women who came to the empty tomb perplexed fearful yet they heard the gospel declaration of the angels he is not here he has risen they remembered Jesus word they trusted in the risen Christ they they told others about Jesus Then we have the eleven. For a time they rejected the good news of Christ's resurrection. Refused to believe. Too good to be true. And then finally Peter, who went to the empty tomb, who witnessed the lonely linen cloths worn by Jesus, and he marveled in the faith. 
It's my prayer that on this Resurrection Sunday and each and every day, may you hear the gospel. And may you hear that good news that Christ is not here, he is risen. May we remember his words of salvation. May we rejoice even now in the redemption that is ours by grace through faith in Christ, in whose name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, again, we we thank you for the, the good news of the gospel. Good news back on that first Resurrection Sunday. It's good news today, Father. Maybe even sweeter, more needed in our strife filled, sinful world. And Lord, may we remember your words, your words of life. May we rejoice, Father, in Christ's resurrection. May we always recall, Father, that we are indeed sinners, but sinners saved by grace through faith in Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.